Thanks for listening to another Jags podcast. We uh, are recording this after the Jaguars-Texans game in week two. And it's safe to say, based off your Twitter reactions, that uh, you guys are not happy. And it seems that you guys are not happy at one person in particular, and that's a Doug Marone. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at another Jags pod. And Facebook and Instagram, we're at another jacks podcast youtube we do live shows from time to time Uh, we do shows where you can see us and you can just search another jacks podcast you can find us on uh, the overtime network you can find us on big cat country um, all over the place we are all over and uh, that's because of you guys so without further ado let's jump right into it week two uh the jags fall to the texans 12 to 13 and honestly, like if if you're asking me, like I I know like the Jags fans wanted to win, and, and we could have won. I mean, we were literally two yards from winning. But the reality of it is, is that no one really had us winning this game. We had multiple guests on this show, and almost everyone unanimously thought that we were going to lose. The spread for the game was about nine points. We're playing with our sixth round quarterback. We played without AJ Boye, without Yannick Ngakwe, without Cam Robinson, without Marquise Lee. I mean, the injury list was pretty extensive for a week two game that no one played in. And we were two yards away and and really we're about an inch away from winning. So let's just look at the monkey out of the room. Jags go down, score with Gardner Minshew. And with basically 30 seconds left in the game, uh, basically one timeout, so it was for the game, the Jags decided to go for two. They run the ball, they get... One yard, maybe one and a half yards. Fournette is close to getting in, gets reviewed, doesn't get in. Let's not kid ourselves here. To all the people that said we should have kicked the extra point, uh, you're dead wrong. And I'm sorry. And, and I love Jags fans, all of them equally. But you're dead wrong if you think we should have kicked that extra point. We scored one touchdown that game. One touchdown. We tried all game to score touchdowns. And we scored one time. And you're going to tell me that we should go to overtime and try to score again before the Texans do? Uh, yeah, no, I'll take my chances being two yards away. Here's what I didn't like, though. I didn't like the play call. I didn't like the inside zone to Fournette. Look, I'm the biggest inside zone fan that there is. I know that sounds strange to people, but I love the inside zone. The inside zone out of shotgun can dominate if your guard and centers are maulers. Okay, in theory, our center, Brandon Linder, and our left guard, Andrew Norwell, are two best offensive linemen. So inside zone should be the play. Inside zone to the left should be the play that should be our bread and butter. Unfortunately, it's not. And what what a terrible, terrible call. I mean, to that point, Leonard Fournette had 15 carries for 47 yards. 3.1 yards per carry. Gardner Minshew was 23 for 33, 213 yards passing and a touchdown. And then his rushing yards, he was six carries for 56 yards, 9.3 yards per carry. Gardner Minshew has, was dealing at this point. He was on fire. You've got to ride your hot hand. You've got to. And look, does John Filippo make that play call? Probably. Probably. But does the play call go through Doug Marone's headset? Yeah, it does. 
And ultimately, Doug Marone is the CEO of that of the team. And when he hears that play inside zone comes through his headset, he's got to call a timeout there. He's got to veto that, and he's got to say, "Hey, look, we got to ride the hot hand as Minshew." And it's not like Minshew just was hot this game. He's been hot for two games in a row. He's legitimately he has a hot hand. So terrible call cost us the game. But if we're looking at it retrospectively, in reality, the fact that we're in that game at that point is pretty impressive considering all the injuries that we have and the players that are in that game. All right, let's get to what you guys think. Uh, you guys are pretty passionate. Um, I put on Twitter um, to get your opinions for this podcast, and a lot of it is pretty much anger against Doug Marone. Heather at Hey, It's Heather 17 says, how much longer must we suffer with Doug as our head coach? Sarah at Sarah Gresham says, why do we subject ourselves to this pain week after week? Shad Khan has no idea what he's doing as an owner. Hiring Marone after Bradley was a mistake and 2017 was a fluke. Trey Rose Johnson at Dosin the Mum says, Doug isn't the answer at head coach. Uh, all good points. All good points. Uh, Boat V2 at Matrix55YT says, If Arkham Asylum was a real place, the first person I would send there is Doug Marone. Uh, a lot of hate for Doug Marone. And I know a lot of that is the two-point conversion call. Some of that was the Jalen Ramsey spat that happened on the sidelines. Some of that was not challenging the play. Some of that is is the penalties that the team has accrued in, in his tenure. Doug Marone is up to 36 games as the head coach of the Jaguars. 36 games. Out of those 36 games, and 22 of them, the Jaguars have had more penalty and more penalty yards than the other team. Not a good percentage. And I think some of that does reflect on the head coach. Does some of, her, does some of it go to the type of player that the Jaguars are bringing in? The type of player that they're bringing in, that edgy defensive player? Yeah, I, I think it does. But at the same time, 22 out of 37, that's not good. And uh, that's something that ultimately falls on the head coach. Like I said, when that play call comes through the headset, the, the inside zone, at a shotgun, like you, that's that's not, that's not it, man. That's not it. That can't work. That's that's not the play you call in that situation. What kind of pours gas on the fire for me is in the post game press conference. Doug Marone was talking about how they had that, you know, they had that call. Like they had the play before the drive started. They said if they scored a two point conversion, they had that play dialed up. Like, are you kidding me? You had inside zone dialed up <laughs> before the drive even started as your two point conversion play. Like I know Leonard Fournette had 3.1 yards per carry, which in theory means that he's going to average a carry that will get us into the end zone. But a lot of his big plays came on outside zone or on a sweep. Inside zone was not working all game. They could not get the ball between the tackles. They could not get the ball between the guards. It just wasn't working. And that was the play call you had in your head set up before. That makes no sense to me. That's I mean, that's... That's terrible. That's terrible, terrible. Another thing he said in the press conference that kind of irked me was he said, uh, talking about the, the non-challenging the call, non-challenging the play, he said that uh, we're the best. We're the best at challenges. We're the best at getting the challenge calls correct. Dude, like, don't toot your horn on your challenge calls. You're the, most pen you're the, you're the second most penalized team since 2016. You have the most ejections. You have the most personal foul calls in the league since 2016. You're going to tell me that we should trust you because of your history of challenge calls? Nah, no. I mean, I wouldn't have challenged that either, but please, Marone, like, you're getting a little too 
too cocky, I think. I mean, look, I liked the Maroon hire when they brought him in. I like that, like lunch pail, go to work type of guy. I do. I like that as in my head coach. But this guy, I mean, he's losing his locker room. If it was just Jalen, that's one thing. Because look, I mean, you see Jalen. Jalen's is passionate guy, and 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 look, sideline spats happen literally at every level, at, at, at you know of football. But the fact that all these defensive players were coming into it, Ronnie Harrison was getting into it. I mean, that's that's not what you like to see. Not what you like to see. Um, to uh, who who was it in the Twitter that was blaming Shad Khan? Uh, I mean, let's not blame Shad Khan. Like to say he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, the guy the guy never said he was like a football savant. I mean, he's he's doing what he thinks is right. I mean, he he didn't hire Marone. He hired Tom Coughlin, and everyone in this city was was pumped about Tom Coughlin when that happened. And as far as 2017 was a fluke, maybe. Maybe it was, but I know that defense looked pretty good today. The defense did look pretty good today, and, and I, I will owe a lot of it to Logan Cook and the special teams. Man, what a night for Logan Cook. I mean, anytime Logan Cook was in the game, would you have any doubt that he was going to down the ball inside the 10-yard line? That was a good feeling. I mean, I know we're, we know we're reaching here, but look, I mean, the defense did its job. We only gave up 13 points. Good game by the defense. Hats off to the defense. Zachary Hollis at Zachary underscore Hollis says, is that two point conversion call a fireable offense? He says, I really hope speaking to myself too, that we don't overlook Minshew or the way the defense held though. Look, that's true, man. And I don't think people will overlook Minshew. Look, the guy may have played himself into a position where he stays on this team until we're done with Foles, whenever that may be. I mean, he looks solid, man. The guy is taking care besides the fumbles. He's taking care of the ball. He's not throwing interceptions. Uh, he, I'm more optimistic about him than I am a lot of other quarterbacks. I mean, how, how good has Kyler Murray been? He's been okay. How good has Daniel Jones been? Not playing. You know, can you know uh, what's the dude's name in Washington? Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Okay, okay, looks okay in the preseason. Not really. So, considering the other rookie quarterbacks, Minshew's looking pretty good. As far as is that two-point conversion call a fireable offense, man, it's bad, man. I mean, it's you can't fire anybody week two because you're just throwing your season away at that point. But, yeah, I mean, as far as would anyone make that call? No. I almost wonder if Filippo was, like, trying to outsmart himself and, like, got too wrapped up in, like, the game of, like, Minshew's rolling. We're going to try to get him outside of the pocket. We're going to try to extend the play with Minshew's feet. Uh, maybe it was... Um, he was afraid there'd be a holding call, but even if there's a holding call, at least you kick the field goal. And t- I mean, I don't know. Dumb call, man. It's almost like the guy who called that play was fired from his last job, like 10 weeks into the season <laughs> or whatever it was. All right. We're going to take a quick break. This is just a, um, this is a, this is a mailbag post game reaction. We're gonna take a quick break to get a word from our sponsors. Um, then we get back when we come back, we're going to hit uh, the rest of your Twitter thoughts and comments. And also we're going to look at like who played well and, and who and who is encouraging us for the rest of the season. Because look, the AFC South is still wide open. And I mean, the Colts beat the Texans 19 to 17. So that leaves the Colts and the Titans and the Texans all with one win in the division. So if the Jags beat the Titans Thursday night at home, guess what? They all have one win in the division. So it's not the end of the world. So let's just let's just let's just chill. Considering all of the high profile injuries that we had and the fact that we were uh, that we were so close, I mean, we scored 12 points in this game. 
Not good, but we only gave up 13. That's not bad. The Colts scored 19. Texas scored 17. That's not a high-powered offense there. So, man, the AFC South is still wide open. So just hang tight after this break, and we're going to get to maybe some of the positives and, and maybe why. Let's not, let's not freak out. Let's not jump off the bridge quite, quite yet. All right, hold on, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to another Jags podcast. This is our reaction episode after the Jaguars-Texans game when the Jaguars lost 12-13. to A close game on the road to the Houston Texans. AFC South game. Uh, Texans looked human, for sure. Uh, Jaguars looked... <laughs> human would be an understatement, but uh, Jaguars looked like the Jaguars. But we're playing without, you know, four of their top guys, which they were. Playing without Ngakwe, playing without Bouye, playing without Marquise Lee, playing without... Nick Foles. I mean, come on, Nick Foles, Cam Robinson. I mean, playing with a lot of guys. So I, I'm like, I'm starting to wonder. Like, and look, I'm the last guy. I am the absolute last person on earth to blame the training staff of any football team because I would defer to those guys and their knowledge and expertise ten times out of ten over mine. But you start to wonder, like, what's going on in that training room? How is there so many injuries on this team? And, and I know, like, every team goes through injuries, but, like, how, is, how does Foles get hurt in this third series? How does Ngakwe get hurt without playing? How does Cam Robinson not come back? Like, like what, what is Marquise Lee? How does he play a little bit and then get hurt the same knee? Like, what is going on in this training staff? How, uh, here, here's the million-dollar question. How does every injury, how is every injury on our team a hamstring injury? And put the guys through yoga. Like, I understand I'm oversimplifying it. Like, I get that. But like, what's going on? At what point do you question the training staff? I mean, in, in Washington, Trent Williams is literally just holding out until they change the training staff. I wonder, man. I, I really, really, really do wonder. All right, let's get back to some of you guys on Twitter and what you say. Big Nick Foles, and he's at Big Nick Jag, says, Minshew is good. Fournette is not. Maybe due to the O-line. Chark is an emerging threat. Defense is still great. Jalen was wrong to push Marone. Did I mention that Minshew is good? <laughs> There's a lot in that tweet. There really, really is. Minshew is good. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's outplaying a, what a rookie, what you expect out of a rookie. Fournette is not. To be fair, Fournette had literally had no lanes to run through at all. Do I feel like he has gotten away from the running over people like he used to be? Yeah. But literally, he's just basically inside zone is not working. Inside zone is not working. It's the only play that I feel like I would not be have be comfortable for net running if I needed to get yards, which is ironically the play they ran at the end of the game. So strange, strange. Uh, Chark is an emerging threat. I think Chark has moved from emerging to literally is a threat. I mean, he's been one of our best players that we've had on this team. Seven receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown. I mean, is he our best receiver? Uh, yeah, I think he is. I mean, everyone was going into the season thinking that D.D. Westbrook was going to be our best receiver. Chris Conley has looked good. I mean, he had four receptions for 73 yards, 18.2 yards per reception. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Jalen was wrong to push Marone. Yeah, he was. Like, you, don't, you never want to push a coach. Was Marone wrong to get back in Jalen's face? I don't know, man. The coach-player relationship has changed from the last like 20 years. It used to be like this authoritarian figure where the coach says something and the players do it. But it's different now. The league is different now. So, yeah, I mean, these are good points there, uh, Big Nick Foles. Gardner Minshew is still good, and he's at Bread Fear 3. He says oof. Just oof. 
And honestly, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that literally sums up my thoughts when I was watching the game. Just oh, like really, really, like everything they did, I just was like, hmm. All right, I, I like this one. This one's from Pete, and he's at Coach L tweets. He says Thursday night against the Titans has the feel of another game where the team melts down and the season is lost. Talk me off the edge. Hmm, Pete, that is a good point. Um, I wouldn't quite jump off the bridge yet. Uh, they did have a good game against the Browns in week one. I think they won 43-13, I think they won. Uh, but you lose to the Colts, 19 for 17. Look, Jacoby Brissett had a good game. I think they flipped over to it at halftime or whatever we did, and Jacoby Brissett had like three incompletions for like 20 passes. I mean, he looked pretty good. And, I mean, it, it was a hot day. It was a hot day, to be fair. Um, but he was under constant pressure. He was sacked four times. Mariota looked shell-shocked. Mariota kind of looked a little bit like he did last season. Um, Adam Humphreys... Dude, the dude, the dude is like MIA. Like, <laughs> I like Adam Humphreys, but I don't think a Titans receiver has been relevant since like Kevin Dyson. And does that even count? <laughs> I mean, does that even count? I, I don't even know. But literally, I mean, Corey Davis had a couple catches for like a, maybe like a twenty-five yarder. But man, like I have no fear of the Titans whatsoever. And honestly. I think that we have a good chance at winning. We have, we're going to have a lot of mailbags before that game. Well, I guess we're not really, actually. I guess we'll have two mailbags before that game because it's Thursday night game. But it'll be a home game, so that'll be fun at least. But, yeah, hey, look, don't jump off yet. Like I said in the, in the first half, if we win this game, there's a chance that we go 1-1 one in, one in the division, and we're tied with everyone else with one win. So let's, let's just wait and see, okay? Cass, and he is at at CassCD88, says, glad we voided Fournette's money because he hasn't earned a dollar this year. Again, man, let's, let's chill on Fournette just a tad. I think the dude's played okay this year. The offensive line and run blocking has been terrible. Terrible. Like, this, this is a good question here. And I like this because I kind of agree with this just a tad. <laughs> I was so excited about this, but Noah Bennett and he's at the Noah Bennett says, why did we pay Norwell so much? <laughs> we paid him so much because he looked good on film and with the Panthers, he was an elite all pro lineman. And when you're a team that's trying to run the ball between the guards, between the tackles, you want legit all pro left guard. And that's what Norwell was, but he has been underwhelming here in Jacksonville. Just to add to the long line of free agents that we've brought in, that as soon as they hit the field here, just drop off, man. Speaking of that, look at my, how about Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde had himself a good game. He looked good against us. Was he running with a little bit of extra oomph? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, what, 20 carries, 90 yards? They gave Carlos Hyde 20 carries. Man, I don't think Carlos Hyde even had ever had 10 carries here in Jacksonville. 20 carries, 90 yards, 4.5. That's the part that hurts the worst. Deshaun Watson didn't really have that good of a game. 16 for 29, 159 yards. Yeah, no thanks. Duke Johnson, me, 6 for 31. DeAndre Hopkins was held in check. 5 receptions, 40 yards. Will Fuller, 4 receptions, 40 yards. Kenny Stills had that big clutch reception. on. It's just those third and longs, man. And the holding penalties, man. Gosh, those holding penalties were killing us all game long. I think every player on the offensive line had a holding penalty besides A.J. Cannon. 
And I think the two of them, I mean, how many false starts did Norwell and Richardson have? So, I don't know. Not a great day to be a Jag fan only because of the loss. Uh, but, man, let's just, let's just try to stay positive because there's a chance this team could turn this around. If we get some people back healthy, there's a chance that we turn this around. All right, last two questions, and we're going to wrap up this um, reaction podcast. This one's from Shay Jacobs, and he's at Jacobs underscore 11. He says, if Jalen catches the pick, does that change the outcome? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I want to say that it was on like the 50 or the 40-yard line. I think he would have returned it maybe 30 yards, maybe 20 yards. I know the announcer said that he could, he could have housed it, but I, it didn't look like that to me. I don't think it changes the outcome very much. Maybe we get a field goal. Does that change the way that the Texans play at the end of the game? Probably. I, I don't know. It changes the game. I don't know if it changes the outcome because I don't think the offense was moving the ball until they had to when they were stretching the ball down the field. And Chark and Conley made those good catches on the sideline. So, no, I don't think it does. But it's a good question because really no one knows, and that's a good question. All right, Patrick Jackson, he's at Radius underscore Johansson. He says, what are the quick wins to help us move forward? He says, D was good today. The O struggled to get going. O-line problems. Still too many penalties, although Texans matched us there and play calling seemed questionable. Yeah, those are all good points. I didn't mind the play calling. I thought we ran the ball a little bit too much on first down. I thought the Texans looked pretty bad too, as long as we did. I didn't like we didn't get a lot of pressure. Darius, I mean, I don't know if he's still injured, but I, don't, I mean, Darius barely contributed. Campbell, I don't like Campbell, that inside three technique. Like, I'll take, I'll take Campbell at the weak side end, the five technique. I'll take him at the outside seven technique, the strong side five technique. I'll even take him at the strong side three technique, but I don't like him at that weak side shade. I mean, that's technically a nose tackle. I don't like him there. He doesn't influence the game as much. He just takes on double teams left and right. He's better when he's taking on double teams from the tackle and the guard. I don't like him taking on double teams from the guard and the center. We're going to we're going to dissect the defensive formations and the and the schemes and the tendencies this week. But just a little sneak peek, man. I do not like Campbell at that inside D tackle position. I don't. Uh, the quick wins, the quick positives. Okay, um, I'll hit him with you here real quick as we close out. Gardner Minshew, I think, is a guy that can win you four or five games until Foles gets back. And that could be enough to get us into the playoffs. I think Leonard Fournette, although he only ever averaged 3.1 yards per carry in the inside zone, didn't work. I think Fournette is, is definitely way better than he was last year. And he's staying healthy. I think the receivers are outplaying themselves. Chris Conley and DJ Chark are playing out of their mind. I mean, D.D. Westbrook, though, man... One reception for three yards. Come on, Didi. I know he had that big catch that was like brought back by a holding call, I'm going to say. That would have been huge. But Didi, man, you got you to gotta get open, bro. The tight ends, we're not getting a lot out of the tight ends. I think combined we have like seven receptions for the tight ends for like uh, 42 yards. They're averaging about five or six yards per reception. I mean, that's about what you're going to get out of James O'Shaughnessy and Jeff Swain. But uh, come on, man. Quincy Williams looked good. Now, the D struggled to stop the run up the middle, but everywhere else, they looked good. Quincy Williams had six tackles. Ronnie Harrison had himself a sack and four tackles. Jared Wilson quietly had himself a decent game. He didn't get burnt deep. He didn't notice that like he did in week one. Jalen Ramsey held 
Hopkins in check. I mean, the whole deal. Oh, here's one for you. Trey Herndon looked good. Trey Herndon made everyone made you forget about AJ Boye. Did he, you know, lose Will Fuller a couple times? Yeah, but AJ Boye would have too. The big shout out to Trey Herndon and DJ Hayden, man. DJ Hayden coming with a clutch sack. I mean, he's always been good rushing off the edge. Leon Jacobs looked good. Let, let's let's not freak out. I know I said that last week, but let's just not freak out just yet. Let's give this team a couple more weeks. Remember, this is Minshew's first ever start on the road with a handicapped team, injured left and right. Let's just let's just wait a little bit. We we had no significant injuries in this game. We're looking like we're kind of getting things rolling. We got to do a better job calling plays. We got to do a better job not holding. But I think we can figure it out. And I think this could be a team that makes a late surge in the season. And it could be a team that kind of catches momentum late, kind of like the way the Colts did last year. And they made it to the playoffs in the second round. So just chill out, Jags fans. Let's just see what happens. A lot of positive take from the game. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll put out a daily mailbag probably tomorrow. Um, so make sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at another Jags pod. We're definitely going to be dissecting this game film all week on Twitter. Kind of a challenge though this week because we only have like three days to really dissect the film, which is good. You know, bring it on. Let's go. So make sure you follow our Twitter so you can catch all that film dissection happening. Um, follow us on YouTube. We're trying to get a live show in this week. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Jags.